Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, let's go. John chapter 4, we are in a series that we are calling Above All, and we are continuing on now with the second recorded miracle of Jesus, and it comes to us from John chapter 4, beginning at the 46th verse, and it reads as follows. In the course of his journey through Galilee, he arrived at the town of Cana, where he had turned water into wine. We talked about that last Sunday. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, go back and listen to that on YouTube, Facebook, podcast. We brought it to you. I want you to listen into that one because that'll give you some context as to where we're headed today. So he's back in Capernaum, where he had previously turned water into wine. There was a, I'm sorry, he's in Cana, where he had previously turned water into wine. There was a government official in the city of Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea and was traveling in Galilee, he went over to Cana. He found Jesus and begged him to come to Capernaum with him to heal his son who was about to die. And Jesus asked, must I do miraculous signs and wonders before you people believe in me? The official pleaded, Lord, come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed Jesus' word and started home. While he was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to feel better, and they replied, yesterday, right at the afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized it was the same time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And the officer and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign in Galilee after coming from Judea. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this thought. That's not what I expected. That's not what I expected. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would just speak to us out of your word. Your word is anointed, it's ordained, it's something, Father, that has relevance and application into our lives today, although it was written thousands of years ago. I pray, Father, that you would just allow your word to come to life and that it would bring life into someone. I pray, Father, for anyone whose faith is failing them, that your word would bring life to them. Their home, Lord God, whatever's going on there, that your word would bring life to it, Father. We believe your word can touch every part of us. So we pray now that you would do this. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to talk about this thought. That's not what I expected. Has something in your life ever gone differently than you had hoped for? Has something in your life gone the way that was totally unexpected to you? You see, I was born in the 80s, but my musical formative years were actually in the 90s. And there was a popular song by Alanis Morissette, and the song was called Ironic. How many of you remember that song? How many 90s people do I got right there at home that remember that song by Alanis Morissette? When I told my wife that I was going to introduce my sermon like this, she said, you're going to have to sing the song. I'm going to save you all, and I'm going to save myself from that embarrassment, and I'm not going to sing that song. But it had lyrics on there that said, it's like rain 
on your wedding day. It's a free ride even though you've already paid. And how many of you from home remember that song when it first came out? I mean, it was a hit. And, and, and the reason I reference that song, and you're probably thinking, Preacher, why are you bringing in this song into a sermon? It's because that song was so popular because so many people could identify with the song. We've all had things in our life go differently than we expected. Things in our lives didn't go the way that we would have hoped for them to go. Now, now, now let me throw one more thing out at you. You see, happiness, I've heard it said this way, happiness is a result of your expectations. Happiness is a result of your expectations. If you walked into a situation or to a scenario where your expectations were low and, and whatever happened far exceeded those expectations, then you're going to be really happy because your expectations were here and it was way above them. Therefore, you're going to be real happy because of those expectations. Now, on the contrary, if you have really high expectations and whatever you were hoping for came down right here, you aren't going to be very happy. And that's the way happiness is. Happiness is dependent on happenings. And so wherever your expectations are, that's where your happiness is going to follow. This is what makes joy so much better than happiness because joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy learns to see the good and it learns to see the God in all things. So even when things don't go as expected, you don't lose your joy. Now, I, I, I say all that because it helps us to identify with the Father in this text. It's ironic. It's not the way that I expected it to go. And we pick up here in John chapter 4, and Jesus is coming back to Cana where he had previously turned water into wine. And as we dive into this story, those of you that are watching, I want you to do something for me. You already know what happens in this story because we've already read it through. But I want you to forget that you know the ending from the beginning. I, I, I know sometimes you read a story like this, it's a little bit like watching the Shawshank Redemption on a Saturday afternoon at home. Isn't that one of those movies where you could be at home on Saturday, 2 o'clock, you're flipping through the TV, and then the Shawshank Redemption comes on, and you just have to stop and watch those things? I mean, you already know how that movie's going to end. You've seen it so many times. But, but you stop and you watch it anyway. Well, the scriptures can be like that sometimes when you've heard them so many times and they've been preached to you so many times. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we dive into this text, I want you to act as though you are now inserted into the story and we're going to go through this in real time together and we don't know what's going to happen with the nobleman's son. Can we do that for just a few moments? Humor me. So here's what happens. This nobleman, he lives in the city of Capernaum and he comes to Cana where Jesus is. Now, if you're wondering what is the distance relative from Cana to Capernaum, it was an 18-mile journey. And we are in biblical times, okay? There was no Uber or there was no Uber where you can call and have a camel come pick you up and get you to where you needed to go. If you had to get to Cana from Capernaum, you walked it, okay? You had to put one foot in front of the other and get to where Jesus was. I want to highlight that because that lets you know just how desperate this father was. And in this text, this father was desperate because his son was not just sick. The, the, the Bible tells us that his condition was far more than just sick. His son was sick and he was about to die. 
Now, I don't know about you if you've ever been at the bedside of someone who was about to die. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to live through one of those memorable experiences as my grandfather transitioned from earth into heaven, and I was with him, and I remember the whole family was there. Nobody wanted to leave my grandfather's side. We wanted to be there for his final breath. So you can imagine what it took to get this father to leave the side of his sick son. He would not do that unless he was confident that he could find Jesus and bring Jesus back home. Now, this is where we dive now into the meat of the story. So this man, he makes an 18-mile journey by foot to where Jesus is. And when he gets to where Jesus is, he says, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. That, that was all that he was hoping for. He, once I say that to Jesus, I'm going to get him to come with me, and we're going to make that 18-mile walk back to where I came from. But, 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 but here's what happens. Here's what happens. Jesus doesn't go. And that didn't go at all like the way that man expected. I'm sure as that man made that 18-mile journey to where Jesus was, he had probably rehearsed what he was going to say. He probably had it all figured out. He probably figured out, and on the way back, I'm going to stop at this place, make sure I give him a little something to eat, a little something to drink before we make our way back home. But when he gets to where Jesus is, he gets despondent because he says, Jesus, I need you to come. And Jesus is like, I'm not going. I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus said, I'm not going. And the man says this, if you do not come, he will not live. And here's the first point that I want you to make. Some faith... Is better than no faith. Some faith is better than no faith. Here's what I mean by that. This man had faith in the presence of Jesus, but he didn't have faith in the word of Jesus. He didn't say, if you would just speak it, my son would be healed. He said, you got to come. And even when Jesus said, I'm not going, he said, but you have to come. That's the only way that my son will live again. He believed that Jesus had to physically come to his house in order to raise his son off of his deathbed. And so he comes to him with faith, but not that much faith. I, I, I only think this will happen if Jesus comes. And that's why he was, so, um, he was so surprised that Jesus pushed back and said, I'm not going. He, he was so surprised that he was rebuffed. But here's the point that I'm trying to make when I say that. God has never needed for you to have big faith. Oh, let me say that again. God has never needed for you to have big faith. He just needs you to have some faith. That's why he told his disciples, if you would just have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you can move a mountain. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed before, but a mustard seed is one of the tiniest of seeds. And Jesus made the point that you don't even need a lot of faith in order to move a mountain. I hope you are following with me at home. If you're following with me, why don't you drop some clap hands or some raise hands emojis in the chat if you know that you don't need a lot of faith you just need some faith when you get to Jesus because here's what happens God does not move in proportion to your faith God moves into proportion to who he is 
Say that again. God does not move in proportion to your faith. God moves into proportion to who he is. And can I tell you who he is? He is the God that said, let there be light, and there had to be light. He was the God that called the earth out from the water with merely his voice. He's the God that said, let there be fish, and let them swim in the sea. And these little fish and everything, every little creature in the sea appeared out of no one. He, out of nowhere, he is the God who spoke to the wind and the wind and the seas had to obey him. Jesus in his second recorded miracle here on earth was about to show the world that his word can make something out of nothing. His word can cause the lame to walk. His word can cause the deaf to hear. His word can make a dead person rise. He doesn't need to be in the room. He just needs to say the word. He just needs to say the word. Do me a favor, drop in the comments section, just say the word. Just say the word. That's all he needs to do. This man didn't know that. This man thought, well, the only way my son's going to be healed is if you come. And that's why he was trying so hard to get him to come. And just because this man didn't have faith in the word of God, it did not change the power of God. Just be, I'm going to say that again. Just because this man did not have faith in the word of God, he felt that the presence could only bring healing. He had no faith in the word of God. That did not change the power of God. As long as there was just a little bit of faith, it was enough for God to do the impossible. Now, the second thing, the second thing um, to know is that Jesus denied this man's request. But if you read it in real time, not knowing the ending from the beginning, you can't help but take this as an L for the nobleman. Remember, he had one job. He was just trying to get Jesus to where his son is. And Jesus said, I'm not going. And, and, and let me tell you something. Anytime our ask is denied, it is because God has something better. Anytime God says no, because when you go to God, you either get one of three answers. You're going to get a yes, you're going to get a no, or you're going to get a wait. Anytime God says no, just know that it is because he has something better for you. He doesn't ever say no because he's a mean God. <laughs> he doesn't ever say no just to get under your skin. He doesn't ever say no because he's trying to twist your arm. You see, I'm a father, and I know what this is all about because I've got three very energetic boys. And one of the things that my boys love to do that I wish they would not do is they love to jump on the couch. Come on, how many dads can identify with this? I hate that they jump on the couch. Why? It's not because I don't want them to have fun. It's because I don't want them to fall off and hit their head and hurt themselves. And I always tell them, if you jump on the couch, you're going to fall, you're going to hit your head, and you're going to hurt yourself. And just to compound onto that, we've got a marble coffee table, okay? So you could just imagine the damage if they were to fall off that couch, hit the coffee marble table, and what that would do to their head. But, 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 but listen, Jesus says to the man this, he says, go home and your son will live. Jesus was basically saying, I'm not going. And now the father, watch what happens here. Jesus says, go home and your son is going to live. Now, this man arrived at Cana about 1230, maybe about one o'clock, and he got to where Jesus was. And now the Bible says, if you read what happens in the scripture, after Jesus tells this man, go home, your son's going to live, this man starts walking home, but he's not walking home as fast as he walked to Cana. He's walking home to Capernaum at a much slower pace. Now, we know this to be true because the Bible says that his servants caught up with him the next day. So this wasn't, it had, had, had Jesus said, I've healed your son right now, run home. I believe this man would have ran it there in three hours, okay? He would have ran those 18 miles in record time. 
But the fact that Jesus said, go home, your son is going to live. And you see this man begin to walk home and walk home at a very slow pace. It lets you know that this man was thankful, but he wasn't satisfied. He was thankful, but he's not satisfied. And I bet you can understand that, right? You know what it's like to have something go some kind of way, and you're like, okay, that went some kind of way, but that didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. The man wanted Jesus to come, but Jesus would not come. Even though Jesus said, I'm going to heal your son, he wasn't exactly excited about it because that's not what he expected. His happiness was on an expectation, and when his expectation wasn't met, he went home sad. He went home despondent. Things didn't look the way that I wanted them to look. And I believe you can identify with this. Maybe you've had something happen in your family. You're like, you know, that's not exactly what I hoped for. Maybe you had something happen to you in your career, and you're like, you know, that's not really what I hoped for. Maybe something happened with a loved one, and you're like, you know, that's not exactly what I wanted to have happen. But this is what I need you to get. You need to rest in the confidence that every time God tells you a no, or if the response to your prayer looks a little different than you anticipated, it is because God has more for you, or he is trying to reveal more of himself to you. Anytime, I'm going to say that one more time. Anytime you don't get the prayer request answered the way that you wanted it answered, it is because God has more for you or it is because he wants to reveal more of himself to you. He's got a better plan for you. And let me take you to my last point here in the text. Too many times we look at the words of Jesus as informative. We read this Bible and we consume the words of Jesus as information. And we're trying to understand it. We want to read his word so that it informs us. Listen, here's what I want you to understand. God's words are more than informational. God's words are more than informative. They are performative. God's words are performative, meaning they perform something. When God releases a word into your life, it's not just for information. God releases a word into your life because his word needs to perform something. His word will not return to him void. It will not return to him until it has accomplished what he has set his word out to do. Let me say it this way. God's words perform his will. God's words perform his will. So when the man was starting to get close to home, the Bible says the very next day, as he's now made his way back to Capernaum, as he's getting close, his servants meet him on the road. And when they meet him on the road, they tell him, I love this right here. I love this. Get this. They said, your son was suddenly healed. Your son was suddenly healed. Someone type suddenly in the comments section. I want you to, I want to emphasize that. It was a sudden healing. You see, and then he asked him, well, when did this happen? Because Jesus said that my son would live again, but he didn't say he was healing him right then and there. You see, we know that, but the father didn't know that. The father thought, well, he's not supposed to die. So maybe in two weeks, maybe in a month, maybe in two months, he'll feel better. But the Bible says that suddenly the boy felt better. And so he began to ask, what time did this happen? Because had I known that my son was going to be healed right away, I would have ran home. Jesus didn't tell me he was going to do that. I wanted Jesus to come. He wouldn't come. I didn't have all of this information. 
Don't you just love it when God does the unexpected? Don't you just love it when God opens a door that doesn't even make sense that it's opening before you? But that's the type of God that we serve. And so, and so finally they tell him, this happened at 1 o'clock. And you need to know something. When Jesus releases a word in your life, he doesn't just release a word in your life to inform you about something. He releases a word because that word is about to perform some things and it's about to bring some things in your life into alignment with his word. This is what happens when God speaks. Doors that were closed have to be opened. When one word is spoken into your life, that sickness has to leave. When he speaks one word into your life, that stronghold has to be broken when he speaks one word into your life that addiction has to let you go the will of God is performed when he speaks this is why this is why it is so important for you to hear his words and I'm coming to a close this is why it is so important to be hungry for the word of God it is so key for you to be hungry for what God is speaking into your life the reason I can't go without hearing from God is because I know that when he speaks, it begins to perform things. It's not just information. Can I, I'm going to just speak from the heart for just a moment. I've got all the information I need. And I, and I don't say that to try to pat myself on the back and let you all know that I got a lot of Bible knowledge. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I have read this book from cover to cover. I have studied this book from cover to cover. I have a degree that, that, that is in theology that substantiates the fact that I studied this book at a collegiate level from cover to cover. So there's not much more information that I'm going to receive. Sure, am I still going to learn from the text? Absolutely. Because when I am done reading the Bible, the Bible starts to read me. So I still seek out as much as I can. But make no mistake, the information, I've read the information. But what I need for God to do now is I need for him to speak and perform miracles in my life. I need for God to speak and perform some things in my life that it could only be God. I need for God to speak and do something where people will scratch their heads and say, Josh, how did that happen? And Josh, it makes no, it makes no sense. And Lighthouse, how is it that all of this is happening to your church? It's only a one-year-old church. It's not because of us, but it's because of a word from the Lord. We were hungry for a word from the Lord. And when we got on our knees and when we began to to prayer and when we sought the voice of heaven God spoke a word and when he spoke a word it began to perform things in our life so this nobleman if I can sum it up this is what happens he comes to God and he doesn't have a lot of faith but just know that no matter how much faith you have just bring it to God it doesn't need to be big faith he's a big God the big God does a lot of stuff with a little bit of your faith and then when God says no he told the man no because he has something better He's like, God, I need you to come. God's like, I could come, but do you want to know what's better? I'm just going to speak the word, and this word is going to travel 18 miles <laughs> at the speed of sound, and it is going to heal your son, and it's better than me showing up. It's much better than me showing up. Finally, when God speaks, his word will perform according to his will. When God speaks, it activates his will in your life. And listen, wherever you're watching from right now, you can see some of yourself in the story of this nobleman. You see, this nobleman, his son was sick. 
almost to the point of death. And you might be saying, Pastor, that's not my story. But maybe your story is a little different. Maybe you've got sickness in your family. Maybe your story is that you are battling with depression. Maybe your story is that you are living with this insecurity that you've never felt before because of everything that's happening with COVID-19. Let me tell you. What you need to do is what this nobleman did, and he ran to where Jesus was. It didn't matter that he had to travel 18 miles. He walked as fast as he could to get to where Jesus is. And wherever you're at and however you're watching this, just find a way to get to Jesus. And when you get to him, the next thing you need to do is just tell him, Father, this is what I need from you. This is the, the problem in my life. This is the area that desperately needs you. Now, here's the third thing you need to do, and this is key. When you are done talking, and listen, it doesn't need to be some ornate prayer. Just talk to him like a man who talks to his friend. When you're done, probably the most important thing you can do is stop talking and don't leave. Don't get up and say, well, I'm done having my prayer time. You need to stop and sit there and allow God to speak to you because he wants to bring a word to your life that is going to perform his will for your life. Hey, listen. The last thing that I want to do in our time together is I want to pray for you all, those of you that are watching online. And what I want to do is I want to pray for those of you that have a need like this nobleman, but I also want to pray for someone who is going to make a first-time decision to follow Jesus. Even though you're watching from home, you can make a decision to follow Jesus. Actually, just today, on my way to record this broadcast, I had a conversation with a man named Tim who just last week gave his life to Jesus watching a church video on YouTube. That could be your story. That's the way God is moving in the church, through the church at this time. And finally, maybe, maybe you once were on fire for Jesus, but life and, and, and issues and things came up and you're no longer serving him like you used to. I'm going to pray for you too. So we're going to pray one last time together. My hope is that you'll let, that you wouldn't let this unexpected change in the plan pull you away from what God is doing. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you, Father, for these moments that we've shared. Father, right now, I just begin to pray for every person online who has a great need that only you can meet. I pray, Father, that they run to your feet and that they hear a word, a word that will change their marriage, a word that will heal their family, a word that will change their son or daughter. A word that will change their career trajectory. A word that will help them to climb out of a financial struggle. A word, God, that will change their situation. And right now, Father, I pray for every person who is making a decision to follow you. For every person that is saying, today is the day that I give my life to Jesus. I pray that you meet them right there where they're watching this video. And for the person who's coming back home today. May they be received with open arms, loving arms, Lord God, that you would meet them just like you met the prodigal son in that story as the father came and hugged the prodigal, that you would hug that person and welcome them back home. Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We can't wait to see what you do. We can't wait to see how your word performs your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.